yeah, God wants just to continue to minister to us for a few moments in the power of his word. And uh, we pray that he really will do that. If you've got a Bible, um, then I want just to read two or three verses to you. First of all, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Perhaps shouldn't be surprised that I'm going to read a verse or two from there because it is commonly known as the resurrection chapter. And then I'm going to read a verse or two from Hebrews as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the New Testament of the Bible. And as you're finding that, then just a reminder that on our journey of Arena Church, we've been doing a series on these past few Sunday nights called Arena DNA. It's been fascinating to see what God's been doing over these uh, 30 odd weeks that we've been meeting uh, in this uh, repurposing of uh, what God wants to do here amongst us and within this town and beyond. I don't know whether you've been listening carefully, but God's been speaking by his word and he's also been speaking by his spirit. And uh, God's been bringing, uh, on occasions, prophetic words to the church. That's a word that God lays on somebody's heart to give that comes to us for our encouragement, for our strengthening, and uh, for our exhortation. And God has been uh, just confirming to us that he's got a, a purpose for what is taking place in these days. We're not just doing this because we decided one day that actually we, 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 uh, we're a bit bored with Sunday night, so let's do something else. We're doing it, friends, because we believe God wants us to do it. We say that with absolute humility. We're doing it because we believe that God is stirring something in our hearts. And God has been laying things in. Christian uses the illustration, which is a really good one, about laying brick upon brick on, on the layers of mortar, upon the foundations that God is digging into our lives for this particular expression of the community of believers. We're not saying it's the only expression We're not saying it's a perfect expression, but we're saying that it's a valid expression of the kingdom of God in these days. There are people that have come on that journey that we didn't know a few months ago, but have now said, this is where I want to be part of. And uh, it may be that you have not even yet commenced the journey of following Jesus. And tonight, what a great night to be able to say you became a Christian. It may be that you're coming to a place where, for whatever reason, and maybe some of it wasn't your own fault in some respects, but you began to drift and wander and lose your way, but God's bringing you back. He's bringing you right back into the centre of his purpose and of his plan. And uh, we've been looking at uh, some things that are part of the very fabric of Arena Church Mansfield, part of our values, uh, part of what we are, something unique about the DNA of this church and we used, of course, uh, an illustration from the DNA that's within our own human frame. So we had an introduction of that, that we're, we're growing increasingly into the likeness of Jesus. We talked about passion. We talked about discipleship. We've talked about generosity. We've talked about unity. And tonight, on, I think, a very appropriate day, we're going to remind ourselves that part of the DNA of Arena Mansfield is faith. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14 says these words, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Hang on, it's not just about the preacher. And so is your faith. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead and becomes the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. If you've still got your Bible open, maybe you just want to flip a few pages further along to Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 1. Where the writer to the Hebrews says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Verse 6, without faith, 
It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. And that he rewards those that earnestly or diligently seek him. Faith. Here we are, friends. And I don't want to go there too long tonight because I want to get to other things. But in Corinthians 15, the book of Corinthians, uh, the book of Corinthians was to a backcloth of people coming to Jesus out of a terrible world of darkness. The Corinth uh, city, whatever you think bad can happen, was happening in that city. And in chapter 6 of Corinthians, it describes some of the people that were coming to Jesus. Whoa, what a list. You read it. And uh, they were coming to Jesus and the church was being established. But it was to the background of a Greek culture. The Greek culture of the day did not believe in the resurrection. And that culture was in danger of infiltrating its attitudes into the church. To the extent that Paul challenges this at the beginning of uh, this passage in Corinthians verse 12. And says, some of you are saying that Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. And he begins to open up an argument and says, well, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, as I read in verse 14, the preaching's useless. Your faith is false. We're false witnesses. Uh, those that have gone on before us are actually still in their sins. And verse 19, if we've only hoped for this life, we, to, we are to be pitied, or as the older translation says, we are of all men most miserable. And he builds it, and he builds it, and he builds it, and he builds it, till we get to verse 20. But... Christ has been raised from the dead. And those four people that brought us a reading earlier in the service all read from the Bible, the word of God. And they all declared that Jesus Christ, the son of God, was not contained by a tomb, was not restricted by his death, but he rose the third day. It's what makes Christianity unique, friends, amongst all religions. Our saviour is alive. And tonight, you'll be glad to hear, whatever you think about the preaching, the preaching isn't useless. Because Jesus is alive. The the preacher might be, but the preaching isn't. And the reality is, friends, that your faith tonight is not wasted. It's not futile. It's not a myth. But tonight, it's gloriously real because Jesus Christ is alive. An arena church, Mansfield, is committed to a faith journey. He's committed to a faith walk. Here's how it started. First week in September, having gone through a time of talking to some of the dear folks that met on the Bosworth Street site, but it was clearly not going anywhere. And uh, we we battled away for a few months on that afternoon. We prayed. Christian had had something bubbling in his heart, not only for weeks or months, but for years. A Mansfield lad that wanted us to see an expression of the kingdom again uh, in this community, which he loves. So here we are, we pitch up at Field Mill Football Grounds on the first Sunday night of September at 6 o'clock. It was a faith expression, because here's the first question, is anybody going to come? Is anybody going to turn up? Is it just going to be Christian and Caroline, Sharon and me, looking round gormless at each other, saying, well, no, folks bought into that, didn't they? The reality is, friends, that the first night we had about 130 people here. There's never been less than 60 or 70 folks here every Sunday night of the 30 weeks since. And tonight there's loads of folks away on holiday. We've still got a great congregation. Faith walk. Then we begin to build, friends, by ministering in faith, praying in faith, prophesying in faith, 
Believing that God will do things. And that's the journey of faith. You see, faith never gives us the answers at Z. It asks us to make the step from A into what God is calling us to do. And I want to tell you that, again, with absolute humility, that in the heart of Christian and in the heart of me to support and back and believe with him, we're not just seeing dozens, we're seeing hundreds. We're seeing ascending church. We're seeing an influencing church. We're seeing a mission-hearted church. We're seeing an expression of the dynamic reality of the kingdom of God in these days. Why? Because faith has birthed something in our hearts. And faith, friends, is an inescapable truth for a Christian. You see, because without it, faith, it is impossible to please God. And we want to believe for the impossible. We want to see God do things that only he could get the glory for. And so faith tonight is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me just for a few moments, and I'm not going to open this up at all. Simply, I'm just going to give you a few things that faith is not. Because a lot of people talking about faith out there, and I'm not sure it is. Number one, faith is not a goodie bag, which means that you'll never have a problem. If you've heard a message, friends, wherever you've heard it, that says something like this, come to Jesus and you'll never have a problem again, it is a false message. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you'll never have a problem, never have a challenge. In fact, Jesus, in speaking about the Sermon on the Mount, the last story he told in Matthew 7 was about a wise and foolish man. He was basically describing the fact that storms come to all of our lives at times. We don't go looking for them. I mean... Okay, maybe the gardeners amongst us. But over the last few days, who's been saying, well, I hope it rains. You know, I hope it rains. I, want, I, I would just love it to be raining and raining and raining. Maybe some of you are planning your holidays. You, you know, we're not going looking for storms, but they find us. Faith is not a goodie bag that means you'll never have a problem. Faith is not a slot machine, which means you'll always win the jackpot. Go something like this. God's got to come up for me. No, he hasn't, friends, because God is sovereign. God is not determined by you. You're not in charge. God is. And faith submits to the sovereign purpose of God over your life. Faith is not a hammock where you sleepily watch the world go by with no call to action and service. Faith is not a medicine that guarantees that you'll never have a pang of doubt. Christian, in another context this morning, Ilkeston mentioned Thomas. And it was amazing around the room how many people knew that he was famous for his doubts. But in John chapter 11 and verse 16, it says these words. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This guy was so pumped with faith that he says, I'm going to die for Jesus. And was calling the others to come with him. Did it mean he never had a pang of doubt? No, because later on in John's gospel, he says, if I don't see the marks in his hands and feel in the side, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus graciously turned up again to show him exactly that. And he said, my Lord and my God. There were times, friends, in my life, remember, and I've wrote about it recently in another context, where when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in my naivety, it was never, never a matter about victories. There weren't going to be any challenges. I was just going to blaze through. Then I realized I could still doubt. That's why I need to keep being filled with the Spirit. 
And faith does not mean that you'll never have a pang of doubt, but it brings you through the other side. And faith is not a magic formula, saying it this way, touching it this way, confessing it this way. It's not a magic formula because to suggest otherwise really is a sleight of hand. It's none of those things. Faith, friends, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That word sure, in terms of being what we hope for, is a confident expectation. That word certain means that when we come to Jesus, however falteringly, he begins to birth something in our inner being that makes us certain of God. Even though we cannot see him with the physical eye. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Going out of church this morning, somebody was talking to me. It says pray for so and so. He's an agnostic. What is an agnostic? An agnostic is someone that's full of doubts. Not an atheist. They don't deny God. But they can't get from where Christian was talking about, which is doubt, into faith. They're forever here. And they never get certain of what they cannot see. God doesn't want you to be an atheist. The Bible says that it's a fool that says there's no God. He doesn't want you to be an agnostic. He doesn't want you to be staying in that place of continual doubt. He wants you to come to a place of being sure of a confident expectation of God and certain of what you do not see. The Greek word in the New Testament for Faith was the word pistis, and the Vines Dictionary defines it as a persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing. Romans says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's why we believe in the ministry of the word of God in Arena Church, because it's continually building faith. A great old preacher, Alexander McLaren, says that faith is the sight of the inward eye. It's seeing something that flows out of our inner being. Here's the testimony of a Christian uh, believer that came to faith that's now been a fine leader of church for many years. He said this. He says, my testimony as a Christian leader in becoming a Christian is that one day I believed, had faith, that Jesus died as a substitute and sacrifice on the cross and that God raised him from the dead. I I not only became a new person, I found A new passion. That's a Christian. That's a Christian. He not only became a new person, he found a new passion. Why are these people playing songs tonight? Why are they ramming it up on the guitars? Sorry, Kevin, it seemed a word tonight, mate, but whatever. Why are folks lifting hands? Why are they seemingly getting excited? Because, friends, we've not only become a new person, we've found a new passion. His name's Jesus. And tonight, faith is all over this room. Because it sees with the inward eye. It goes beyond natural faith, which everybody's blessed with. That's the intellectual acceptance of facts. Without that, normal life is impossible. Imagine getting on a bus tomorrow. I think, wonder if this bloke's going to crash it into a tree. <laughs> Imagine flying into some sunny climbs this summer and thinking... One of the, je- the pilot, Jeremy, you know, they're all called Jeremy. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Welcome to. Boom. <laughs> you can never hear what I said. <laughs> we hope you will enjoy the flight. <laughs> what if he's going to ditch us in the sea? You don't think those things. 
And frankly, if you did, life would become impossible. In other words, natural faith and intellectual acceptance of the facts. People all over the room now sat on a chair. You weren't sort of saying, you sat down. But it's more than that. It's more than that. And the Bible says that our faith develops and deepens. You may say, Phil, I, I think I've only got a little bit of faith. Whatever that means. I, I'm a new believer. I'm not like some of these people in the church that can pray like, whoa. But the Bible says there's a journey for all of us. Romans 1.17 says we go from faith to faith. It's not judging you on the journey you're on. Here's the question. It's whether you're on the journey. That's the important thing. And we're here to help everybody, including the leadership of the church, to continually go on a journey of faith to faith. I'm going to rush through six things tonight that faith is, having told you what it isn't. Number one, faith is imperative. Hebrews 11:6 again, without it, it's impossible to please God. You know, we've been caught in a revolution of te- technology and communication. And uh, many people tonight are here that believe they cannot live without an iPhone. Isn't that incredible? They can't live without an iPhone. They can't live without an iPad. It's true. <laughs> they can't live without a computer. They can't live without satellite navigation. I tell you, I'm flipping while going around Birmingham the other day. I'm going to get a sat nav soon. Or I've got the maps out all over them. They can't live without a game console. The reality is that if you had to, you could. You really could. But here's the truth, friends. You can't live without faith. Because the Bible says that if you haven't got faith tonight, you're dead. Dead? Well, I feel alive, actually. No, no. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 says that outside of faith, outside of Jesus, we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. And if you follow that through in the first 10 verses, the Bible says he takes us from death to deliverance. Nothing to do with us. It's all about grace. By grace, you say, through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. He even gives us the gift to believe in him. It's amazing. And it brings us then to a place of destiny because in verse 10 it says that we're created unto his workmanship. See, faith is not a hammock where you sleepily watch the world go by. It's a place where God calls you to serve his kingdom. And you wouldn't want to do anything else when that passion that faith ignites comes alive in your heart. Imagine going to the doctor. You're feeling unwell. The doctor says it is imperative that you take this course of antibiotics. I always remember I was 24 before I knew what antibiotics was. We were in the first church we ever pastored, and this kid must have rattled with antibiotics. His mum gave him that many. You know, I said to her one day, "What's an antibiotic?" She said, "Well, you know," and because uh, I'd never taken an antibiotic, but I remember once getting a terrible ear, ear infection, and the doctor says it's imperative that you take the course of antibiotics. I remember, I said, oh, I'm not going to bother with them anymore. I've taken them for a week. She said, you do the course. You do the whole thing. You see, and I argue with sometimes, but when she says that, no argument. It's imperative. And you'd be foolish to ignore the advice. And friends, tonight, if you are still in death, it is imperative that you step into Jesus. It's imperative tonight 
And God's not just caught to bring you out of, out of darkness into life. He's not just dealing with the issues of your life. He's got a destiny purpose over your life. He wants you to be fulfilled. He wants your gifts to emerge. He wants that creativity in you to be heightened. He wants you to come to a place where you think, I can't think of anything else on earth that I want to do but serve the purposes of the kingdom. Faith's imperative. Faith's indispensable. In other words, friends, it's not for throwing away. Hebrews chapter 12 says these words. The things that we throw, it says, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. They're the things to throw away. But let us run with perseverance or pace or, or, or patience. The run, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We live in a throwaway society. You think I make some of these stories up, but you know, you, you've all been, you know, you're driving along all of a sudden, you've got the McDonald's cart and smash onto your windscreen. Boom! From the, from the, the, the car in front. And the other day, shall I tell you, on our road, I'm tidying up McDonald's cart and somebody had had a night out all over the street. Throw away society. Throwing rubbish away. Sometimes you'll go for a walk in the countryside and you'll find a bed. You know, somebody's just. But friends, more importantly, more importantly, we throw away relationships, we throw away commitments, we throw away vows and promises, and it brings a cost. Some of you may have seen the banner headline in one of the national papers this week about the crisis of family life in our nation. It's huge. One of the reasons is because we throw away so easily the commitments that we want Made. The book of Hebrews was written to a backcloth of opposition. And so Paul, oh, forget that. The writer to the Hebrews, a bit of a debate on who wrote it. Okay, the writer to the Hebrews writes to this particular church, Jewish in its background as the word lends it to, itself to, but Christ-centered in its faith, and says, guys, it's tough out there. And there's lots of opposition, but do not throw away your faith. It's indispensable. You see, once you began on this journey, you're to continue to look to Jesus, who was the author and finisher. He's our example. He didn't throw anything away. He completed what God had set out for him to do. And sometimes we have to go through some stuff that brings challenges to our faith that may even sometimes bring us to a place where we feel we want to dispense with it. But I tell you, friends, tonight, young people, right across this room, if you don't dispense with your faith in those times, you'll find your faith is deepened. Because as we've heard several times over the last few weeks, nothing is ever wasted. Let me give you a few illustrations. Eric Little was uh, born into a missionary family, and in 1924 he ran for Great Britain in the Olympics. Some of you may remember that Colin Wellen film of a few, many years ago now, Chariots of Fire. That's the one. And uh, Little was due to running the 100 metres, pulled out. It was on a Sunday. And uh, I'm not going into the religious debate of that. Interesting, one or two rugby players still won't uh, uh, play on a Sunday. Michael Jones, who was a brilliant uh, uh, Back row four for New Zealand, never play on a Sunday. Didn't play in a World Cup final for the cause of his faith. He 
You know, that's, that's his conviction. It's not something he can pose on anybody else, but I respect it. You and Murray, Scottish International, still won't play on a Sunday. And the guy that does football focus on a Saturday afternoon, Dan Walker, won't, won't work for the BBC on a Sunday. They just out of conviction. It, it is a personal conviction, let me, let me say that, not something that can be imposed on people. But Little, in another era, took the stance, the 100 metres final, the blue ribbon event of the Olympics. You imagine next year, 2012, at the London Stadium, Usain Bolt, Tyrone Gay, and ooh, what a night. We'll probably be in church when it's taking place. But anyway, you know, what a night. And Little says, I'm not running. And he ended up running the 400 metres, which wasn't his best event, and of course he won the gold medal. Great story. Became a missionary. Went to work in China. And uh, as the war began to erupt, the Second World War, he found himself in internment camp. By this time he was married with three daughters. And in 1943, he found that he'd got a, a brain tumour. And this is what was said of Eric Little. Despite tremendous pain, he maintained his faith, courage and kindness towards others until the end. Dying shortly after his 43rd birthday in January 1945. Little chose to live a dangerous, materially unrewarding life in China, serving God when fame and riches were within his grasp. His greatness of heart and his unwavering conviction are an inspiration to people of all Christian denominations. He didn't throw away his faith and he fulfilled his potential. And what about my friend? John. A few months ago, Alison ran me. That's my Alison. And she worships at the Christian Centre at Nottingham. She says, Dad, I've got some bad news. I won't mention his second name for the cause, of, but John's passed away. John was 60. And he left work on Friday. Very, very successful career in nursing to the extent that he, he developed from being a practitioner to a teacher at a very high level uh, to aspiring nurses, very well respected professionally and lived a great faith and was a great servant to his local church. Left work on Friday, never got to work Monday. Had a massive stroke and passed away to the shock of his wife and his daughters at 60. All the plans in front of him, but he never threw away his faith. And what about at the Thanksgiving service a few days later where grief was roaring? Many questions and one of his daughters, who's one of the worship leaders at the Christian Centre, led the worship. And one of the songs they sang said these words, We will not fear the evil day, for we have a refuge. In every circumstance we'll say our hope is built on Jesus. He is our fortress. We will never be shaken. Friends, that's faith. That's not throwing away your faith. That's running to God in times that we can't always understand. Thirdly, briefly. Faith is invisible. How many of you would like to have five quid tonight for every time somebody said to you at work, oh, yeah, you're a Christian, aren't you? Show me God and I'll believe. Well, here's the truth. Those of you who have been in sales, you know, you flog washing machines, you flog computers, you flog whatever you're selling, you can show somebody something. If you're in financial services, you used to be able to show them a chart that says this is what you'll get after... I have to say, nowadays you just wonder, you know. But, um, but the reality is, friends, you've got things to show people. But the currency of the Christian faith is the unseen. It's the unseen. You can show them changed lives. You can show them a great church community. But you cannot show them God. And the fact is, if you did show them God, they'd drop dead anyway. In his presence. 
But you see, when you are convinced by the unseen, you can communicate it. Because those people that take the rip out of you at work are the same people that when nobody else is watching, they're saying, say one for me, won't you? Because my wife's going into hospital for a serious operation. Say one for me, won't you? Because we don't know what to do with our 15-year-old son. Say one for me, won't you? Because my dad's got Alzheimer's. They're the people that come to you. Because they recognize that something's been communicated to them out of the conviction of what you carry in the unseen. Here's what somebody said. He said, you need to realize the difference between sight and insight. Rather than trusting simply in what you see, which is temporary, Trust in what you can't see, which is eternal. Choose not to live by your limited view, but by the limitless possibilities of God. And God's here tonight, friends, and I mean that. He's here by his spirit. The risen Jesus is amongst us in the power of his spirit. We can't see him, but the currency of the Christian faith is the unseen. But I tell you, if you will reach out to God increasingly, He will bring you to a place of absorbing the invisible that will make it so incredibly real to your life, it will amaze you. Fourthly, faith is invaluable. 1 Peter 1 verse 7, the whole of the first letter of Peter to the Christian church is again written to people that are under suffering. It talks about those scattered. And they were being scattered because of their faith. And uh, Peter writes to them, the scattered suffering church of that particular time, and reminds them that their faith is much more precious than God. It says there in verse 7, these have come so that your faith, that's trials, of greater worth than God, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I won't go there tonight for the sake of time, friends, but the reality is across the world today, there are tens of thousands of Christian believers whose basic human rights are infringed simply for believing in the same risen Jesus as we do. And whilst we get very concerned about some of the trends in our nation, the reality is tonight we've still got freedom to worship openly, to carry our Bible openly, to praise the living Jesus openly. And many of our brothers and sisters are denied that. But friends, in those moments of trial, in those things that we walk through, God is saying he's refining our faith. It's much more precious than gold. Those of you that are taking interest in these things will know that the value of gold at the moment is rocketing. That people are investing in gold rather than in currencies. A friend of mine, I mentioned no names the other day, made a real killing oh, on, a, on a few pieces of gold. Woo! came out with a wad of cash in his pocket he was really pleased didn't give me any but (laughs) but your faith is more more valuable than gold not the same as gold more valuable and the price that was paid for the value of our faith could only have been met in Jesus fifthly friends faith is impenetrable Hebrews, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 is in the context of spiritual warfare. We don't go to spiritual warfare, we're in spiritual warfare. The enemy seeks to oppose us. Not about you, friends, but sometimes the things that come to my mind, I think, where did that come from? It's warfare. It's warfare. 
Bible says in verse 16 that we are to take the shield of faith which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of evil. And that's not swearing, by the way. It's talking about the arrows. (laughs) They're all flaming arrows at times, aren't they? But They dip the arrow points into oil. So when they pointed them across and they hit someone, they did even more damage in, in the ancient battles. All the fiery darts of the wicked one, as one translation says. <laughs> but faith extinguishes them. Don't worry, you saw that riot in Bristol the other night over the Tesco market. They were fighting, but the police went in. They went in with shields, oblong shields. To, to ward off the bricks and the, and, the, and the petrol bombs and whatever. This is 21st century Britain. And the fact is, friends, that in faith, God's given you a shield. And Paul was using the description of the Roman soldier of ancient days, which was an oblong shield that they would ward off the darts of the fiery one. What comes to us? Well, sometimes disbelief comes against us. Discouragement comes to us. What's the point of you carrying on being a Christian? What's the point of bothering with Arena Mansfield? It's never going to grow. It's never going to work. We had all those wonderful, encouraging comments, by the way, before we started. It'll never work. It'll, it'll just... What about, friends, disappointment? There's got to be people around here at times that are disappointed. I remember once talking to a guy called Chris. He was brilliant. Very, very clever. Used to get mass, fantastic. Went to a very good university. Remember him failing his driving test? He was absolutely mortified. He said, I've never failed an exam in my life. He says, be good for you. God's teaching you something. (laughs) (laughs) I could feel him thinking. (laughs) That was trivial. But there's some disappointments in this room tonight that have been, they've dug deep. And the shield of faith rises. And so we could go on. And every time the enemy tries to come and fire a dart at you, God in faith has given you a shield to push him back. Now the reality is at times we simply don't use it. And we get wounded. But if you will live to learn with the shield of faith, you will find it is impenetrable every time. Whatever the enemy says against you, whatever people say against you, whatever lies come to you, whatever disappointments come across your path, if you will lift the shield of faith, it will bounce off and you'll continue to walk forward in Jesus. Lastly, faith is irrepressible. Acts Acts 4 and verse 13, which is a verse that's come to us once or twice recently. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. The original language sort of brings it across more graphically because these guys were described as ungrammatical idiots. That's what they describe as. But they've been with Jesus. And I don't care whether your education has been great or ungrateful. I'm not bagging education. I love education. We, you, you know, we cheer all our kids on to do as well as they can. But that doesn't define you. That doesn't define you. You, you may say tonight, I'm not intelligent. That doesn't mean that you can't take the kingdom by force. 
You may say, I've got no influence in my life. I've not got any. It doesn't define you. Because if you've been with Jesus, you can do anything. You can do anything. These guys took the world. These guys took the world. Because they've been with Jesus. And someone says, faith is designed to release in our generation what men and women of the Bible did in theirs. And when we were worshipping tonight, and I wasn't really thinking about the message, honestly. When I was worshipping tonight, I just felt something well in my spirit to really concur with that thought. I really believe, friends, that there's people here. And I really believe that in the context we find ourselves tonight, that God wants something to arise in you in faith that will cause you to reach out and do something that is way, way, way beyond what you have thought or imagined. I'm not hyping it. I felt it. I felt it in the spirit, friends. I felt it well enough as we worship tonight. I felt it in the presence of the living Jesus that if we will take all of God with irrepressible faith, whatever anybody else has defined us as, However, other people would look upon you or me and mock us and say useless. One of the words that's come to me over the years, and I'll tell you, oh, he's a plodder. He's, he's, a, he's a plodder, Phil. Well, that's not a bad thing, is it? If you're going to pitch up every week, that's, that's, that's at least... That's, but you see, people try and define you. However people define you, he'll never make anything. You know, it's, it's this and that. If you will allow something to well up in your spirit, if you will spend time with Jesus if you will reach out in faith to him friends God can do anything Romans 8 28 in the message as I close true faith reaches out to all that God can give and challenges every obstacle in life with an unshakable confidence in God's promise for all things to work together for good and fit a plan for those who love God and are fitting into his plans this Easter Sunday this resurrection day, this celebration of our risen, ascended, glorified Savior concludes with reminding us that faith is not useless, but it's the journey of Arena Mansfield. It's part of our DNA. It's an imperative. It's indispensable. Don't throw it away. It's invisible and yet so valuable. It's invaluable more than gold. It's impenetrable. Whatever darts are fired at you, it's irrepressible. You can be what God intends you to be when you have been with Jesus. And brothers and sisters, tonight, let's not be ashamed of it. Let's not be embarrassed about it. But let's live in the power of resurrection life. Let's individually and collectively, as Arena Mansfield, commit again and again and again the DNA of the faith walk and let's see what God will do.